0: From the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening.
1: My name is Ashley Pickle. I'm the video director for Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, and texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you are watching us live at texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or listening to us on the podcast version, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm, everyone's favorite, Malpal, How are you, Mallory? I am doing well. Oops, sorry. Almost didn't switch start camera. <laughs>
2: hey, I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Good. Good to be back. Good to be back. Happy Tuesday. Good to be back from yesterday. It checks notes. <laughs> like, good, to good to be back. Good to be back in producer ago. chair. Yeah, I like exactly. producer chair. It's okay. good to be back here. Good, good, good. I like that. Today is Tuesday, January 4th, 324 days until Thanksgiving, January 4th, the birthday of Derek Henry. Shout oh. out to Ismail Johnson. I, uh, I saw him play in person once, did you really the dude the dude's a beast yeah, nice yeah he's uh he's balling out, Tennessee's balling he out absolutely is all, is. like on my case about it.
2: oh, I saw that tweet
1: yeah he, he well, th- hates it was th- the cowboys, yeah, and I really think that it's not I think a little bit that he hates the cowboys, but I think a majority of it is the fact that we love the cowboys, so.
2: He just likes to—he just likes to rub salt in the wound anytime he can get with us. Oh you know, yeah, like absolutely. Anytime he can get anything
1: that we like ish
2: like automatically dislikes automatically (laughs)
1: hates it today is episode 1306 and on today's show my friends your girl's been doing math all morning morning. so thank you for tuning in to make that all worth it because I am not a math major but it was uh our one of our inside the numbers pieces and this is I think we both agreed one of our favorite segments of the show in the offseason is doing these inside the number pieces oh for sure um so we went inside the numbers and today Today we're going to uh, we're gonna take a look at the top three highest scoring offenses in each classification, and then after that we'll kind of talk. I went through and kind of ranked them based off those top three and the averages, and I mean lots of math. So we'll get into that. Um, it's a lot of fun there, and then in the back half of the show we had good handful six. Mm-hmm. Six Texas college football teams playing in bowl games. All of those have wrapped up. And we're kind of using this as our our chips and salsa, our appetizer, if you will, into on Thursdays, we'll start doing our college football post-mortems where we take a look at each of the 12 FBS programs and really, really go in depth on the season. So we're not going to go super, super in depth, but we did feel that it was probably time that we acknowledge those bowl scores. And they know, happened we me- a little <laughs> Salt on the yeah. <laughs> onto the entree there, uh, but before we get into all of that fun, Malpal, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Aaron
2: Arbuckle, Daniel Agnew, Rob Hadaway, and Coach Terry Crawford. Welcome in, fellas.
1: Coach Terry Crawford, we got to visit with him at state. The whole we not did. only was Coach Terry Crawford there, but the whole Crawford bunch was there. Yeah, that, that was, was great a lot of fun. to see all of them.
2: Yeah, it was. We weren't even expecting either. We were, I guess, on our way up to the booth or something, mm-hmm. and we saw him in the tunnel, and we a quick little chat with
1: yeah, him. Yeah, I got to see his cute little grandson, and they were like, oh, man, he's ready. Like, he's ready to put yeah. the pads on now. He was, like, ready to <laughs> hit hard awesome. and stuff. Anyway, welcome in, friends. Side the numbers here, and what we're going to do is we're taking a look at the top three highest scoring offenses in each classification, and we'll go ahead and say we are going to go all the way from 6A down to 1A. When we take a look at the top three of them, we'll have graphics with their points four, um, and then... When we get to the end, I went through and added up the totals of all of them, got the averages, and then ranked them as to which of the top three had the highest total number of points and which of the top three out of each respective classification had the lowest ones. I'm going to go ahead and give you a little precursor here. We will talk about 6A through 2A Division II in the rankings separately than we do 1A. There's a lot of very, very different stylistic things that go into those two. Like, for instance, both 1A classifications have the highest scoring offenses. Mm-hmm. It's because they score a, a ton lot. <laughs> more. And you can make the argument—I'll go ahead and say this—you can make the argument that a lot of the teams— and some of them, one of them was in the state champ, won a state championship that's in the top three. They probably 45 people a lot. So you yep. could make the argument either way of saying, well, they scored that many points, but it was in a lot less time. Or you could say, well, they score a lot more. So we're just going to, to take those arguments out of there and we're going to separate those two. So let's go ahead and get into it here. We're going to start off with the largest classification. That is 6A, Texas football inside the numbers. Again, we're taking a look at the top three highest scoring offenses in each classification in the 6A realm. It was the 6A Division II state champion in Austin Westlake. They put up 908 points on the year. I'll go ahead and tell you this: that was the largest number of points put up by an 11-man school in any classification. So, 6A Division II. We're just 6A is. Combined all-in-one for these purposes. Duncanville came up in second place, scoring 711 points. And then Lake Travis, district mates with Austin-Westlake, put up 687 points. That point differential between Austin-Westlake and Duncanville
2: is kind of crazy. It really is. And when you think about the two teams, they're both... Super explosive. You know they've mm-hmm. got great play ma- playmakers on each team, but it's funny to look at the how much of a difference that is right
1: exactly and those are two teams that obviously Duncanville played in the 6A D1 state championship Westlake played in the 6A D2 so they were both state championship programs and that's what's really crazy to think about it is yes obviously Westlake and Duncanville played more games throughout the season than Lake Travis did because they got they played one more game than then they got knocked out in the state semifinal so it's kind of that is quite interesting to look at because Westlake and Duncanville both played the same Same amount amount of of games. games, So you can't say like, oh, well, they played more games than them. And obviously there's a caveat to all of these numbers because some teams did play more than others, but... Yeah, I mean for Westlake, nine hundred and eight points that was. That was the largest total of points scored by any team in the eleven man classification. Yeah, that's crazy. Moving on now, let's go down to five A Division One here. The top scoring team in five A Division One, well, it was the state champions in Katy Payto Panthers. They scored eight hundred and thirty six points on the year behind them. Well, it was who they beat in the state championship game. College Station was 766 total points on the year. Obviously, our guy Marquise Collins racked up plenty of those <laughs> points in yeah. the playoffs. And then finally, how about Amarillo Tascosa? The, uh, they're coming in at 580 points on the year to round out that third spot in 5A Division 1. Moving on now to 5A Division 2. Our top three highest scoring offenses, it was the 5A Division II state champions in the South Oak Cliff Golden Bears coming in at 742 points. And here's where we kind of break the trend that we saw in those those first couple of classifications there. You might be thinking, oh, yeah, well, clearly the state champions and the runner up are going to have more points than everyone. No, actually, that's not not the case. Um, Alito comes in at number two in 5A Division II in the highest offensive production with 712 points. And then you find at number three, Liberty Hill, and they were obviously who South Oak Cliff played in the state championship game, and f- and they come in with 580 points. And so this is – yeah, the, here's an anomaly here. And so when I started to go through it, I was like, oh, darn it. Are we going to have all the state championship mm-hmm. – contenders up here because again they play more games throughout the year you play the maximum number of games that you can have in texas high school football right but no alito was just molly people i mean throughout the regular season until they met up against south oak cliff and it kind of shows the differences obviously south uh sock and alito coming out of the left side of the bracket in region one and region two liberty hill made it there ha- not having to score as many points mm-hmm. out of region four yeah So that was – I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're not going to just get state champions here. So that just shows you how many points Alito was able to put up in the time that they were playing. And they obviously got knocked out in the regional semifinal. So they had two less games to play than – Three. Three less games to play than South Oak Cliff and Liberty Hill. Regional – final state semifinal or or state championship. So yeah, yeah, Alita was really putting people on considering they had three less games to play. So there is 5A Division 2. Moving on into the 4A classification, we'll start off with 4A Division 1. And here's another one that was a a little bit shocking here. Number one is going to be Austin LBJ. So, they were obviously the state runner-up in 4A Division One with 764 points. Then, how about those Ricebirds out of El Campo? 669 points on the year. And then you get down to the third highest scoring offense, and it was the state, the state champions, champions. <laughs> in Stephenville in 651. And so this was quite interesting. Again, um, Austin LBJ and El Campo coming out of that Region 3 and Region 4 and Stephenville coming out of Region 2. And that was, I mean, that really shows how productive El Campo was because they were with Reuben Owens. I mean, during the regular season, I saw their game against Bernie champion. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're laying 50, 60 burgers almost every single week. Mm-hmm. And then Stephenville comes out of that region too, where you've got Argyle, Melissa, and it's like a a ton of difficult, difficult competition that are more of those who's going to be the first one to get to 21 point type of games yeah. rather than LBJ when it's like, let's just straight up outscore people. And mm-hmm. so 4A Division One was another one one of those wild ones where yeah your state champion well they're third on the list out of that entire four a division one classification about scoring people yeah that's an interesting point it really depends on
2: just where you are as a school mm-hmm. and who else is in your area that really determines these kind of numbers you know
1: well, well yeah and i think it it says a lot about the style of play too because you're kind of noticing obviously yeah. like these spread teams have a lot of points, points. scored we'll get into it a little later, maybe a little precursor, but there's some slot T team obviously, that have <laughs> yeah. that same thing. So it's cool to see not only kind of where you're from, but obviously different style. classifications and stuff in in region two and Four a division one. I mean, it is nothing but high flying offenses and then Paris is, is a super high scoring offense, but they've got that wacky style of offense that they play. So it is cool to see, you know, just depending on where you're at and, and what kind of opponents you're playing. And I guess I'll go ahead and precursor this real fast too. We're going to do defense next week. So we yeah. can kind of see which one overlaps, but like Stephenville, for instance, is a team that had a super, super good defense. So Mm -hmm. obviously, if you've got a good defense, you're not having to score as much as, you know, someone like El Campo, whose defense was very good, but not near as good as their offense was. Moving on now to 4A Division II. This is Texas high school football inside the numbers. We're taking a look at the top three highest scoring offenses in each classification. 4A Division II, now it's the state champions in the China Spring Cougars. Major Bowden led that offense to 714 points on the year. Following them, well, it was the state runner-up in the Gilmer Buckeyes. Brandon Tennyson leading his offense to 705 points. And then how about that stand-up for the coastal bend area yeah, the Sitton Pirates, man, they were humming this year. 634 points on the year to round out for a Division II. Then we move on. 3A Division I, taking a look at the top three highest scoring offenses. Brock. The state runner-up with 782 points on the year. How about those Lorena Leopards coming in as your state champions with 760 points of total offense on the year. And then the Mount Vernon Tigers, 707. This classification was one that I noticed. Like We talked earlier about how Westlake was almost 200 points above number two. Mm-hmm. Look how close this is. I mean, yeah. that's 22 point difference between the two state champions. And it's like, or the two, the two teams that played in the state championship in block Brock and Lorena. And it just shows, I mean, we thought that that was going to be had a chance to be a super close game and stuff. You don't realize like genuinely how close that is until twenty-two points. I mean, that's right. That's minuscule when you take a look at the scale of we're in seven hundreds right, right here. We're pushing eight hundred points on the season, and that's just such a minuscule number compared to the grand total there. Right. Moving on into three A Division Two. The Franklin Lions. And how about there you go? There is that that slot team mafia. I know you're a member of the slot T Mafia there. I am. But nine hundred and eleven points. That is insane. Like I said, oh, you know what? I lied. I definitely lied. Franklin was the was the highest scoring offense out of any eleven yeah, classification. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. I yeah, I forgot to look at that.
2: That makes sense though. I mean Yeah, but they out were
1: but that's what's crazy. Three Three points more, a, a field goal more than Westlake because Westlake came yeah. in at 9.08. That's correct. Okay, Westlake came in at 9.08. I apologize for what I said earlier. Um, Franklin comes in as the highest scoring offense in the 11 man classification, 911 points. And that's on the slot T. They're running the slot T. If you want to talk about just efficiency, there you go. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of burning calories right there. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, <laughs> the amount that Bryson and Washington and them have been running, like, good <laughs> lord, oh, son. Man. Um, and then a hundred points shy of them, Gunner coming in with eight hundred and eleven points, and then a team that played Franklin in the state semifinal game, which you and I were both at Wascom, coming in at seven hundred and eighty points. And so this is one of the classifications where obviously the point spread was. Much greater than the twenty-two point spread that we saw in three A Division One, right? Um, But yeah, Franklin coming in as the highest scoring offense in Texas high school football this season, nine hundred and eleven points. Wild, that is wild. And it it
2: kind of like between those two classifications too, it's a big. You can see the different styles of play too, just from three A Division One to three A Division Two. Just to your point,
1: absolutely, yeah. Because the top the top team in three A Division One was Brock yes. 382, and so they only had two extra points than the third-ranked team yeah. in 3A Division two. So that's just, it's, it's yeah. It's
2: mind-blowing to, to really look at, honestly, because mm-hmm. I feel like you don't always think about that kind of stuff. No, you know?
1: absolutely not. All right, moving down into our 2A classification, 2A Division one, and I'll get into this a little bit more in a minute, but Refurio comes in at number 1, 822 points on the year. The state champions in Shiner 764, and then the Timpson Bears, which were the were state semifinalists who played Shiner, um, six or, or 691. You and I talked about this before we got in here. This was mind boggling to me because I literally had to check our spreadsheet, our database multiple times to make sure that that Shiner was correct mm-hmm. because we watch shiner all year long just go out there and blow people out bl- the water blow people out of the water 764 points that's a lot of points on the year mm-hmm. Refereo, 822 points on the year. keep in mind guys shiner played three more games or two more games two more games than Refereo did because they knocked him out in the regional final mm-hmm. round. So, I mean, if that doesn't say what Refurio was doing to teams all year long to have that large of a gap at 822 to Shiner's 764 when they played two more games, yeah. one of which being the Timpson game, the other of which being the Holly game in the state championship mm-hmm. where they put up a yeah. really good amount of points. And so it's like we always go back and forth on our rankings. Who's number one, Refurio or Shiner, Refurio or Shiner? And Refurio was our number one team throughout the entire year into our final season rankings until Shiner obviously knocked him out in the regional final. And it's like, well, you want to see why they were our number one team. Some people were kind of mm-hmm. busting us about that. Shiner should have been number one. Shiner should look at that point differential. I mean, that's a lot, guys. That's a lot. So, Refiro comes in at 2A Division One, our top team there, scoring 822 points. All right. 2A Division Two now our smallest 11-man classification, Mart. Coming in with 779 total points, then you move down to second place, and it was Stratford, the state champions, there in 707, and then Albany, the Lions, Coach Jenny Faith led his team to score 674 points. So yes, obviously Mark got knocked out, but uh, no stretch of scoring points on Coach Kevin Hoffman's squad there. No. Now, Malpal, finally, we get down to our six-man classification. And, yes, both of these have scored more total points than any of the 11-man classifications, but that's to be expected. The number one team in 1A Division I, well, it was the May Tigers with (laughs) 1,001 points on the year. Then you go down to number two, Spur at 813. And then how about those Rankin Red Devils at 797 Moving on now to the smallest classification in UIL football, 1A Division 2. It was the Strawn Greyhounds, and yes, they were the most out of any Texas high school football team—1,083 points on the year. But like I said, we did split up. They were the most out of six-man football. The most out of 11-man football was the Franklin Lions in 3A Division 1, um, 3A Division 2, rather. I really think it's more impressive that
2: when you look at numbers like these Strawn putting up that much, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they've been such a dominant team all year, and the fact that they've even 45 people at some point, that and they, they can, can still put up that. I think that
1: says a lot
2: too. Yeah. I think that's more impressive if you ask me.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. Motley County rounds it out second place there 936 and then Richland Springs with 813. And so there you go. There's a look at our Texas high school football inside the numbers top three highest scoring offenses. Um, I did go through and rank them all. I'll just tell you number like the highest scoring classification out of 11 man ball was three division two. They had two 2,502 total points out of their top three and that averages out to 834 points between the top three and three division two I mean that is just wild again Franklin Gunner and Wascom we talked about that Franklin was obviously number one out of the 11-man classification rounding out the bottom was four a division two they had the least total number of points scored out of their top three with uh, 2,053 that again was China Spring Gilmer and Sinton um, just a lot of hard hitting football in 4A Division two, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then um, their average was six hundred and eighty four point three. For the six-band ball, 1A Division II ranked highest with 2,832 total points out of those top three, and 1A Division one had 2,611. If you want to see where the other classifications fell, so like we said, 3A Division two is at the top, 4A Division II at the bottom, then obviously the six-bands we put into a different category. If you want to see that full list of rankings for where your classifications stood, I will be uploading an article, an actual inside the numbers, article that will list all of these numbers again including that full rankings on texasfootball.com after the show ends so go ahead and you can check that out but there we go a, a crazy look to some inside the numbers of again like the top 3 highest scoring offenses in each respective classification and it's it's just it's really cool to kind of take a look and there's just so much that you can do with that data but we kind of figured out how we were going to do it in rankings so
2: yeah yeah. and it's fun like you said when you put together when you first started putting together these numbers you're like oh it's just going to be the state champions plus whoever was the runner-up in the state fi- state mm-hmm. semifinals or whatever. But, yeah, when you look at it, it's obviously
1: not true. Right. It kind of depends on who you who you go up against. And, like, yeah, Alito yeah. was the prime example of that being, you know, ranked number two right there. And it's because they ran into the eventual state champion in South Oak Cliff. And so they're going to beat out maybe the person that was coming out of Region 3 or Region 4 or Region 1 and Region 2, vice versa. Right. Um, but, yeah, there you go. Our inside the numbers look at the top three highest-scoring offenses in each classification of texas high school football we are texas football today we're here every weekday at noon talking football in the lone star state we hope you will consider becoming a dave campbell's texas football subscriber you can do that at texasfootball.com slash subscribe a year's worth of online content two magazines you can um, be a texan live subscriber i mean there is just this place is like a content factory machine that really is. just it doesn't it. people always ask me like what do you do during the off season and I was like football oh we still do football more football <laughs> football does not stop around these parts so if you're a person that needs your football fix at all time texasfootball.com slash subscribe all right, Mel Pal, one more thing that we're going to do today, and I kind of precursed this earlier, but if you're just now joining us, we're going to take this as our, our chips and dip, our appetizer into what some of our Thursday shows will look like. For those of you who are just joining us, every year after the college football season, we start doing college football postmortems where we go in to each of the 12 FBS programs and we hardcore break down every part of their program and we do a different one each week. And so we'll make our way through those. So before we get there, we do want to kind of put a bow on the end of the season and wrap out the six Texas, college football teams that made it into a bowl game. All of those have elapsed. We don't have anyone in the national championship. So we're nope. just going to kind of go through, do a quick run through of scores and break down kind of the winning games. And then we'll kind of set you up for our postmortems that will start on Thursday. So Mal Pal, what do we have up first? Up first, we're just going to, we're going to kind of go in order of when
2: each bowl game. And I w- do want to point out eight Texas teams actually made were eligible, eligible for a bowl mm. game. Um, however, Texas A&M and SMU were unable to play due to COVID issues, but – uh, we're gonna re- we're going to recap the rest of them, the rest six. So up first, we're gonna do the New Mexico Bowl, Fresno State beating UTEP 31 to 24. And I just want to give a quick shout out to UTEP. We all love UTEP, and they've had such a great season. This was the first time that they actually made a bowl game or participated in the postseason since 2014. So wow. Um, and they actually came into this game as an 11 point underdog. So mm-hmm. they definitely covered the spread. Hey, good teams covered the. Spread. Great teams covered spread, baby. Absolutely. And so, you know, th- th- it was close. It was a pretty close game all the way through. Uh, UTEP had a, a disastrous fumble um, on their last possession of the game, of course, ending the game. So mm-hmm. unable to. And I think this game actually played the last day of state championships. Yeah, we- <laughs> so I had it on my computer watching it just to kind of follow along while also watching a. I don't remember which one it was. It was six a six a game, I'm sure. But I was just like there's too much going on there's right too- <laughs> now. I can't yeah. do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then obviously I think Jacob Cowing is leaving UTEP now, but I mean, yes. what what a season Crazy that he team. had, what he was able to do. And, and Dana Dimmel, you know, you would have loved to put a bug on the season and to be able yep. to win a bowl game. But for this UTEP program that we were wondering, is Dana Dimmel on the hot seat? All that stuff for yep. them to even make a bowl game was huge. And they played a really competitive game here. 31 to 24 is nothing to hang your hat at. No. Great job, Utub. Up next, we will
2: do the first of the Frisco Bowls. There's two of them, <laughs> if you remember. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, San Diego State beating UTSA, thirty-eight to twenty-four. And I, I think that this was just too much for UTSA, too fast. And they had just a remarkable season. They only had one regular season loss, of course, to UNT that last regular season. And they, they cap it off with a, uh, conference championship win over Western Kentucky. So really it was a great season for UTSA. I just really think that it was just too much, too fast for this team, but they'll definitely be back they're they're on the come up for sure oh yeah
1: yeah Frank Harris had a really good game in this Uh one he threw the one interception which which obviously hurt when it got down to to that time but it was you know it was one of those things they're down at halftime you're hoping that they can turn it around Uh come back a little bit and and realistically I mean in the second half they just started kind of there were just too many mistakes to it, it was too many mistakes they couldn't they couldn't get the defensive line to really stop and be able to stop that rushing attack. And, and it just kind of got yeah. away from them slowly but surely. So a disappointing way to end this great season. But. Right. And not to mention the guy that they've relied on all
2: year, Sincere McCormick, their running back, of course, opted out, you know, right for the draft, of course, which
1: never helps. But
2: no, 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 of course not. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're still going to play and you're still going to try. Oh, your absolutely. Best, so. Yeah. Up next, we are going to go on to the second of the Frisco Bowls. Uh, not really called a bowl. It's only the, fi- the Frisco Football Classic.
1: Sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Miami, Ohio, defeating North Texas 27-14. to And I don't have much to say about this game. Uh, we played a great first quarter. North Texas played a great first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they – I believe they jumped out first. Um, yeah. And then uh, it was just –
1: You can't go they were just they were just outsized
2: yeah you can't you can't and and they had so in that second quarter they had Austin Ani through two interceptions which just it's just a mental game at that point You, you really can't come out of that and of course Miami Ohio got the ball at half and just they scored that touchdown on the first possession of the second half and really just rolled with it there and kept going and North Texas just couldn't yeah, move the ball had, at
1: all. You had the momentum, and then you go down right at halftime. So, you know, it's 2014, and you're going, okay, hey, take a deep breath. Let's recollect ourselves, And then they just got shut out. I mean, the right. time of possession in the second half was awful. They just let Ma- Miami of Ohio run all over. Then they couldn't get anything going offensively. North Texas is going to have to figure out their quarterback situation. Austin Oni did a good job running the ball in the first half, but the second half was just They kind of laid down and looked like there was no game plan, which if if you've watched Seth Luttrell's career, which obviously I think that he saved his career in the latter half of the season to get them to this bowl game. But if you're taking a look just at his bowl game scenario, he has never won a bowl game. Yeah. And it's always because they play fine in the first half. And then the second half, it looks like they haven't played football before. So it was just another North Texas bowl game. You made it in and you cap it off with, just a disappointing loss right.
2: which is really it, it is disappointing because
1: you're wanting to cap
2: out that heck of a season that they ended up pulling together you know mm-hmm. they went on a 5-0 and run towards the end of the season one of those beating ranked UTSA at the time
1: yeah you're you going the into this in the world. you're
2: going into this Miami Ohio game with a lot of momentum and then you're they, basically it's basically a home game right and then they let these mistakes that they make early on determine the rest of the game which is which has really been the story for them all year yeah
1: they just there there's a lot we'll get into it but I'm gonna tell you now they gotta figure out a quarterback situation yeah yeah
2: up next uh this one was a little shocking honestly I think Ish and I debated on this one quite a bit when we did our bowl breakdown a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. but the Birmingham Bowl Houston pulls out the win over SEC opponent Auburn 17 to 13 and I remember talking to Ish about this one I was like I don't know if Houston can compete with a, with an SEC team is none other, especially Auburn. Right. Um, and and uh, Ish brought up the point like, Oh, well, in a couple of years, they're going to be a power five. Houston's going to be a power five team. They're going to join the big 12 in a couple of years. And this was a kind of surprising game to me. Um, it was a very like defense heavy game. The final score oh, yeah. 17 to 13. So it really came down to those, those final big stops that, that Houston was able to pull out.
1: Yeah. First off, offensively, the connection between Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Dell was spectacular all game. I mean, that 150 yards receiving for Dell, and and Clayton Toon had a great game. He threw the one pick, but, I mean, 283 yards in the air. Um, Ultimate Caskill had a good game, almost uh, almost 100 yards of rushing. But what really – here's the stat that I think got looked over that, like, everyone – they held Auburn to four and 15 on third down conversions. Yeah. yeah. Like that's huge. They could not move the ball. No, and and it was one of those things. This was a team that we were looking at at the beginning of the year after they lost to Tech and going, what a loss of a season this is gonna be, and they turned it around. But that defense really, really stepped up in this game, yeah. and uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. And that's one of those things. It's a bowl game. It doesn't. You don't need style points at that point. You're not trying to make it. They no. weren't trying to make it into the playoff. They weren't trying to do any of that. 17 to 13. You rounded off. Only allowing four, four, four third down conversions. Good on you,
2: yeah. Houston. This was a this was a game where the defense, the offense didn't have to do much no. to win. It was really all about the defense in this game, and they k- uh, kudos to them. They really stopped a a pretty good Auburn team. Oh yeah, that I think absolutely.
1: And- yeah, there was nothing. And anytime you can stop an SEC opponent, like that's that's reason to puff your chest out, you know. Right.
2: I mean, it looks good for recruiting too. I mean, oh, down in that Houston area, I mean, I think really they're going to be able to start pulling and competing with teams like Texas A and M and Texas down And in you're that. It's going to be in the Big seven, Twelve, you know exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is a statement win for this. Even though it's only just a bowl game and it, it happened early on, this is really I think a statement win for this Houston program all Completely around.
1: Completely agree.
2: Up next, we have the Liberty Bowl. This one was. I don't have no words for this one. <laughs> I can't even pull words together to describe this one. The McGuire effect. The, <laughs> God, Texas Tech just completely destroys Mississippi State, 34-7. to And it's funny when you look at this score, you're like, man, Texas Tech must have jumped out early and just kept scoring. And maybe Mississippi State scores, you know, in the last couple minutes of the game when Texas Tech has their uh, has their starters out. But no, the... Score at halftime was 13 to 7. Yeah. So Texas Tech jumped out the second half and just completely took full control on both sides of the ball and this, to, to win this
1: bowl game. And it was a, a fantastic statement win for Texas Tech as well. This may be me just making up conspiracy theories over here, your local conspiracy theory girl. Um, <laughs> but this, to me, when you watch the way that they came out in the second half, that felt like they were playing for Sonny Cumbie. Yeah.
2: You're absolutely right. I
1: mean, they know for a, he, he stayed. I think it was a big credit to Joey saying, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to let y'all finish your season. I'm going to cheer. I'll be your biggest cheerleader, but I'm not going to come in and try and take over. Sonny Cumbie had this offense figured out. He stepped in when they needed him most. They won the next game after Matt Wells had been fired. He walks in with the, uh, the big old chain on him. You Uh know, it was like, I feel like he was like, Hey guys, There's a lot of assistant coaches that are leaving, too. It was kind of this group's last chance to play together, play as a family. And it felt like they took that and just ran for it. And like I said, obviously, the rushing attack was unbelievable for Texas Tech. Who thought that we would ever have been saying those words? But, I mean, they had two guys go for, I mean, a combined average of of just over 100 yards. And it was like, I felt... I just felt like Sonny Cumbie, Joey McGuire, I don't know who it was, but came in and said, hey, guys, this is my – I think it's got to be Cumbie. This is my last chance as a Red Raider. Let's go out there and do it. And, I mean, they just came out like a bat out of hell in in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, this
2: defense – this was the – Mississippi State had not scored more – I guess, what am I trying to say? Mississippi State – this is the lowest point – deficit that yes Mississippi State has been held to all year. All year. So huge statement for this Texas yeah, Tech. This is a defense and, team
1: that beat A and M earlier this right. year.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And we saw we saw them kind of getting ready. Texas Tech when they played I guess it was Oklahoma State and their defense looked really good. And I told I told I was telling people I was like this this Tech defense I think is pretty good and especially towards the end of the season when the whole Joy McGuire news came out and now their offense Couldn't quite get rolling, but we were talking about if this defense can come in and hold this high flying, really fast moving Mississippi State offense. Yeah, us us talking
1: about a good Texas Tech defense is like go home college football, you're drunk. Right, right. (laughs) It's
2: basically a a replica of Mississippi State's. uh, It should be, you know, like Mm -hmm. a a replica of Mississippi State's team, but it's not, you know. All right. (laughs) Moving on to our last matchup. It was. The Sugar Bowl, yeah. Baylor beating Ole twenty-one to seven, and I just want to come out and say this first: I don't want to take anything away from this Baylor win because it was just an incredible win. Baylor's defense, as always, just really looked—they were such a good, good unit, man. They are—they just looked stout. They looked like they knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and. And I have to throw it out there. Of course, star quarterback Matt Corral yeah. got hurt during yeah, the first quarter. It does. It really does. And especially when there was all this talk about him opting out, but he wanted to finish out the season with his guys because he's all about loyalty and stuff. And then he, you see him get hurt in the first quarter. Yeah. It, it, literally it the it internet exploded get, about the the oh. uh, the morning of. <laughs> right, right. It it was, it did hurt to see that. But and then they throw their freshman backup mm-hmm. quarterback in there and kid can sling kid, it a little he, bit. He can sling it, it's but that's just, a big stage, right? It's a big stage for a guy that I don't think he had started all year. Now I haven't followed Ole Miss football as much, but that was, if I had to bet that was probably his first start all season and mm-hmm. to do it against a, a Baylor defense like that. Right. That's They just couldn't get anything going Ole Miss. Of course, their only touchdown that they scored was a defensive touchdown. I believe it was a pick six, but, um, really just a fantastic win
1: for Baylor right yeah it absolutely it it stunk for everyone just a a neutral college football fan to to see that happen because this had this had a chance to be a really back and forth really good game it kind of slowed down the momentum I felt like uh, Uh because then to be honest the game was pretty boring I mean until late into the fourth quarter it was kind of like okay you know the the meme of the stick figure like do something you yeah. know like that's kind of what it felt like but that takes nothing away from I mean um Abram Smith had 26 carries for 177 yards that kid lit up and yeah. so a super super successful season for the Bears kind of coming out with a huge New Year's Six Bowl game win very excited to see them and we'll get we'll get into that program but talk about a program that will have like good things to say about the bears are going to be one of them and what and what they did to go finish out that game and, and handle through adversity and all of that has been it's been spectacular absolutely all right Malpal, i think that does it there's our recap of the texas college the college football teams in tech in the state of texas that played in bowl games like we said smu and Um, Texas A&M were bowl eligible, but due to COVID-19 protocols, they were not able to play their two bowl games, so their season have officially come to an end. But that was just kind of our uh, chips and dip. We will continue as the offseason goes on to break down, and I mean really in-depth, every phase of the ball, break down these college football programs. But for now, there's a little recap and kind of the bow on the end of the season. All right, now we head over to Malpal at the helm for America's favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, We will actually
2: have a Republic of Football podcast tomorrow where we're going to basically do what we did here. We're going to recap the six bowl games that took place. Um, and something a little different. I had put out a post on the Republic of football or I guess the DCTF college football account um, that we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag segment where mailbag Wednesday, if you will. Um, <laughs> so go find that. I don't I think the Twitter handle is DCTFCFB, CFB, yeah, which like is college the college football. football. Yes. Yes. Um, So go find that graphic. I'll, of course, retweet it on mine again today as well. But go find that graphic. Either reply to it with your question that you want us to answer on tomorrow's episode or you can DM it. Um, it, It's just something a little different to cap out the rest of the year. I mean, we figured that since these bowl games, you know, UTEP happened two weeks ago. We're not going to go super in-depth with each bowl matchup. So if you got any questions to round out the end of the college football season, Go ahead and shoot them our way. You know, of course, we focus just on college football. But if you got other questions, maybe we'll get to some at the very end.
1: Oh, yeah. And this is a real good time, too. If you haven't uh, ever really been able to interact with Mike Craven, our college football insider, this is fantastic. Yeah, this is a great time to do it. Like, he's a guy that if you have a question, he will answer it completely honestly. Yes. He will not BS you. So his uh, Twitter handle is at Craven Mike. If you want to go harass him on Twitter. Yeah. And he actually (laughs) mentioned up with
2: questions. (laughs) He
1: just put out, he had a one-on-one with the new SMU head coach, Rhett Lashley, the coach that came over from Miami. Um, he had a one-on-one with him a couple weeks back. It was during state championship week. Um, but he just put out his story and it is awesome. If you haven't seen it, uh, texasfootball.com go to the college tab and you'll get to see it. But yeah, he caught up, I mean, straight up him Lashley, one-on-one head head FBS coach, so go check out that.
2: He also did one with uh, TCU's new head coach, Sandy Dykes, so yes. go check that one out too. He's done a fantastic job with those.
1: Yeah, those are super, super interesting to see and yeah. kind of get you a, a little bit of feel for what we can expect to see in those programs heading into the 2022 season that's still weird to say (laughs) all right well that's gonna do it for us thank you for spending part of your day with us like us on facebook facebook.com slash dave campbells like us on follow us on instagram instagram.com slash dave campbells subscribe to our youtube page youtube.com slash dave campbells tf and follow us on twitter at dctf and of course you can see all of our work on texasfootball.com I guess we don't have to thank anyone because it was just the two of us. So, thanks, Mel Pal. Thank you. <laughs> for for <laughs> oh, Mel Pal, you. I'm Ashley Pickle. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We will see you tomorrow for some croutin' with Greb Powers on Texas football today.